I'm not out. I am now. Welcome. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's over, but Merry Christmas anyway. I laid out on you. Did you notice that? I was gone. We had a good time. The Lord really blessed. It's good to be in God's house. Good to be with you today. Uh, let's go first look at a couple of announcements uh, that are going to be important to us. Got too many papers. December 31st, rolling up fast. Can you believe this year is over? The 19s, the teens are gone. We're into 2020. Uh, we will be having a special watch night service at 7 p.m. on New Year's Eve. So come and join us. Uh, we'll have special singing and several guest preachers at that time. So be praying about it and try to set aside some time and come and enjoy yourself on, on New Year's Eve. Also, uh, 23rd through the 25th, Men's Prayer Advance, calling all men. The Men's Prayer Advance is in Roanoke again, the 23rd through the 25th of January, uh, with the, Dr. Dave Young. He's been here and preached, and we've heard him preach down there for Excellent. He's big on the family. Cost is 119 plus your hotels and meals. Don't miss the life-changing event. Sign-up sheet is in the back, so remember that. And if you want to go to the Prayer Advance, then uh, you sign up and uh, get paid up, and they'll be ready to go. You, I'll guarantee you, you'll have a wonderful, wonderful time. Good preaching, singing, just a very enjoyable time in the Lord. It'd be an experience if you've never been. All right, let's bow our heads and get ready to start our service with uh, prayer this morning. Father, we thank you, dear God, that we can be in this place today. Thank you for this place you've given us to come and to, to serve and to worship you, to honor your name today, to lift up Jesus Christ our Savior, the baby that was born in Bethlehem, lived and died and rose from the dead to give us everlasting life. Lord, it's about you this morning. It's not about us. You're the audience. We're here to glorify and lift you up and honor your name today in song and in preaching, in our giving. In all that we do, we want Jesus to be glorified. I know that pleases our Father which art in heaven. So today, God, would you be amongst us? Would we be able to sense your power through the, everything that goes on here. May each heart be touched and needs be met today. And Lord, we'll give you the thanksgiving, the praise, and the glory for all that you do today because without you, we can do nothing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, if everyone please stand as we enter into the time of worship. Uh, the whole point of praise and worship is to honor and glorify God. And uh, God so many times chooses to bless us through the lyrics, uh, through what we're singing. But the whole purpose is to give honor and glory to God. So let's sing, Glorify Thy Name this morning.
worship His majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority. says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. And then you go down uh, to the very popular verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, but sing wonderful grace of Jesus.
magnify the Lord for all he's done for us. Right now, let's go ahead and have our handshaking greet time. Go ahead and greet somebody in the Lord this morning. If everyone would go ahead and make your way back to your seats. If everyone would go ahead and find your way back to the seats. We'll continue with the worship service this morning with a special sung by Miss Ann Stone.
Thank you, Miss Ann. At this time, Children's Church, you are dismissed. You may head to your class. Even just thinking of that song, Do You Have Room, after the Christmas season is over, uh, as we look back and think of the time that was spent with family, with friends, um, maybe not as much work time, whatever the case may be, how much time did we spend for Christ? How much time did we spend in His Word, sharing the Gospel with other people? The Christmas season is a perfect opportunity to share the Gospel. And how much time did we uh, give Jesus this Christmas season? Did we have room for Him? It's a really, really good question. Thank you, Miss Ann, for singing that. Uh, for everyone else here, we're going to go ahead and pray uh, before our final song and the preaching. Um, pray either... Uh, quietly by yourself or with the person sitting beside you and specifically ask God to show you something that needs to change in your life today. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. God, I thank you for giving us another day, another breath to breathe, another opportunity to serve you. I thank you that we got to celebrate this season, how you chose to come to earth for the ultimate purpose of dying and giving us the hope of salvation. I pray that we might never forget that, that that might be present in our minds. Help us to share the gospel with people at every opportunity. And I pray specifically for this morning that if there's anything in our lives that we need to change with the coming of 2020 and um, as we reflect on, on what's happened this year and as we look forward to uh, perhaps goals ahead, I pray that we might first ask you what is something that we need to change in our life. I pray that we might be attentive to your word today. Speak to us through, uh, through Brother Danny as he comes and presents the word. In Jesus' name, amen. If everyone will please stand. We'll sing, Speak, O Lord. <clears throat> Even just in the first verse where it says, Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. God's word has everything that we need to uh, live a holy and a godly life. So let's, let's pay attention to it specifically this morning as we hear the preaching of the word. Speak, O Lord. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take our truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your
Well, it's a good morning. We're here. We're alive. We're well. We're healthy enough to be out and to go. And it is a very good morning, isn't it? God is good. That's why it's a good morning. All right. I did forget one little thing, and that was the guest cards. If you did not get a guest card when you came in the door this morning, if you would raise your hand right now, our ushers would bring you one, and uh, we'd ask you to fill that out and, and uh, give it to an usher or drop it in one of these offering boxes at the front or the back as you go out, and we would have a record of your visit with us. Is there anyone that did not get a guest card today? This is the first time you've been with us. All right, looks like we got it took care of. Uh, it's exciting to serve the Lord. It's exciting whenever you get the opportunity to stand up here and preach. Now, I don't ask for this opportunity because I'm not the pastor. pastor and I had a discussion one time. If you're called to preach, everybody just believes that you ought to be just chomping at the bit to preach. And I don't have that. <laughs> it scares the socks off of me. It's just something, I, the, I guess it's the nervousness of the thing that, that scares me the worst. But if the pastor and I both had a desire to preach every day, that would be a conflict, wouldn't it? So God didn't give me, as the pastor's assistant, that desire to be at preaching all the time. But I do enjoy it whenever he asks me. I like to do things for my pastor because he's our leader. I want to talk to you today from Psalm 62, if you turn there. And i got a little story I want to read to you to start with. Uh, but I want to speak on the subject of higher ground. You know, many times it seems like that uh, in, in our normal world, in the, the reality of the things that we look at and understand in, in, in this earth, ever who has the higher ground is the one that has the best chance for victory. But I'd like you to understand something, and this message is going to explain that today, is it's not those who are in the highest position, in the best position in this world, it's those that are hooked up with Jesus Christ. He is always our higher ground. Psalm 62, and I'll read from there in just a minute, but I want to read something, and I don't know whether you've used this little booklet or not, Days of Praise, but if you don't, there's some on the back table as you go out, get you one. This is deep stuff. This is good stuff. You get a lot of definitions and things, and I just want to read you the first paragraph out of today's. It just, as I was reading this morning, this just, it had to be the first part of the message. And it talks about why, and it'll explain itself. In this scientific age, it is essential for us to remember that science can never answer any questions beginning with why. Think about that. Scientific research seeks to answer questions of what and how and sometimes where and when, but it can never deal with why questions. Such questions require a moral or a theological answer. That means that God's the only one is the answer in most situations. And I got a story about uh, Kings Mountain, South Carolina that I want to read to you before I read the Scriptures. I told Brenda, I said, I'm not going to rush. I'm going to take my time and I'll quit whenever I run out of time. And I'm going to work at that because you get in a hurry up here. The story of Kings Mountain. Now this come out of a, uh, a uh, uh, Phil Stringer's. He's Dr. Phil Stringers. We had him in Bible college, one of our uh, uh, outbreak sessions where he came down, and I bought this book. It's a book about history, the foundations of our world, and it's written on the Christian perspective. There's where you get your whys covered, okay? But uh, the, there's a lot of things that are, that are not explained in our history books in our, in our schools today because they don't deal with why, okay? And our little story there, I think, explained that well, but in... In Kings Mountain, North Carolina, I mean South Carolina, uh, during the, the American War for Independence, there was a colonel named uh, Ferguson, it's the only name they give here in the, in the book. He had secured the top of the Kings Mountain. Normally, whoever would secure that, the higher ground would be the man who would get the victory or the army which would get the victory. So what they was doing is they was coming and they was going to eliminate, they was going to, from Kings Mountain, South Carolina, over into the mountains of Tennessee and they was going to wipe the settlers out who were considered rebellions against, rebellious against the king. These were godly people, by the way. They had their pastors and their preachers in whom they followed their leader and they looked to the man of God. I think that's a very wise decision in, in life today as well. 
is to follow the man of God as he follows the word of God. But what, uh, that, what Mr. Ferguson, Colonel Ferguson, decided to do is that he would make an alliance with the Indians. So he went to the Indians and he talked with them and was trying to get them to kind of join up with him and he'd eliminate these settlers off of their land and give them their land back. And they would be free of those settlers. But what he didn't know is these godly people, these settlers in Tennessee, uh, which were following their pastor, were soul winners. Are you seeing where it's going? And they were, the who was they winning the souls? The Indians. They had won a lot of those Indians and they'd sent missionaries from their settlements to, the, to start churches for the Indians. And a lot of those Indians had gotten saved. So whenever they heard that Ferguson, Colonel Ferguson, was coming to destroy those settlers, their brothers and sisters in the Lord, they went to the settlers and told them. Well, what they did is they got their pastor. They went and got their preacher. And they asked their preacher to pray and help them to understand what they needed to do because at Kings Mountain, South Carolina, was an army, a British army, that was coming to destroy the settlements. The pastor told them and said, you need to defend your family. You need to take care of your family. So the thing that they decided to do is we're not going to wait for them to come to us. We're going to go to them. We're going to keep our families safe here and our settlement safe, and we'll go fight them on their turf. So they did, and they went to fight them on their own land, and that was at Kings Mountain, South Carolina. Well, Colonel Ferguson heard they were coming, and what he did is he took his men to the top of the mountain, and he fortified him a place, and he knew that, they was, they, that he had the advantage. And when the settlers got there, they knew that they was at a disadvantage. But, the higher ground wasn't necessarily the higher ground. What they did, this is what Colonel Ferguson said. This is where he cut his own throat right here. Colonel Ferguson said, this fortification, this fortification is so secure, God himself could not move me from here. That was his boo-boo right there, wasn't it? I mean, hey, God was still going to take care of his people. But he challenged, he directly challenged God just like Goliath did. And David took care of that. He used David to take care of that, didn't he? Well, the, the settlers got with their preacher at the foot of King's Mountain and they prayed. And this was the prayer that the preacher asked God for. God, will you this day show Colonel Ferguson who the king of King's Mountain is? And they charged up the mountain. And the, of course, the Ferguson was firing on, him, on them with their muskets and the the, they would, I mean, everything was coming down on them. Didn't hardly injure anybody. And yet the, the, the settlers took that mountain and destroyed, completely wiped out Colonel Ferguson and his army. And they had the higher ground. So the higher ground ain't necessarily what it may seem to be. It's with the ones who was Jesus was walking with and whom he was taking. Now let's read our, our scripture here. You'll see... You'll see these people in verse 3 and 4. I'm, just, I'm going to read the whole chapter because I'm going to be preaching on part of this tonight when we come back tonight. I've warned you now, haven't I? Someone said, well, they didn't know you was preaching or they wouldn't have come. I said, well, now you know. But you're going to get the last half of this message. You're going to have to come tonight. Truly, my soul waiteth upon God. Isn't that a good idea? From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation he is my defense i shall not be greatly moved verse number three how long will you imagine mischief against a man you shall be slain all of you as a bowing wall shall you be and as a tottering fence they only consult to cast him down from his excellence they delight in lies they bless with their mouth but they curse inwardly selah think about this meditate on then back to the good stuff. My soul wait thou only upon God from Him, for my expectation is from Him, Jesus. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. He's my high ground. I shall not be moved. Isn't that strong language right there? In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. 
to be laid in balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Let's pray together. Pray for me, would you? Father, I ask you now to help me that I would get out of the way. I don't want to be seen or impress anybody. I want to see you glorified today. I pray you would help me now as I know that you are the Almighty God and that I'm your servant and these people are your servants. And we come here today that we might hear from you, not from me. Lord, I pray for our pastor today. God, you'd bless him as he takes this time with his family and encourage them. I pray, God, that you'd meet our needs here today, even as the earlier prayer was about, that our needs would be met. And I know, God, that you will do that. And I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Confidence in God. That's the context today. And we're looking here at, uh, at King David. And this is a time when D King David was running for his life, as many times he was from Saul. And then, but this time it's believed to be that when Absalom, Absalom later on, whenever Absalom was after him. And he was having to make a run for it. He, was having, he had to get out. He got out of the castle. He, he got away from there, and he was hiding and sleeping in caves and in mountains. And he was at a disadvantage, it seemed. It seemed like that Absalom had the higher ground, that he had the lower ground, and that he was a terrible disadvantage. But this psalm is about that, about David's confidence in God. Whenever David was seeking to do God's will and to be in God's way and to carry out God's plan as king of Israel in his life. So that's way that the, the way that it's set here. That's the setting. That's what it was all about. But I, I want to run back to just write. I just want to show you how David's trust, how his belief in, in chapter 4 of Psalms, right quick. He says, now this, this psalm, I'm not going to read the whole psalm. He says, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. This is when Saul was after him. And he was running from God. I mean, he was, uh, he was running from Saul, and Saul was running from God. And he goes on through, and he comes down, and he, and he makes these statements of faith in this psalm, and you can read it when you've got time, Psalm number 4. And this is what he said. Look at the faith and the confidence that David has in his God when he prays this verse number 8, or when he writes this. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. Think of David in a cave. Going to bed, not knowing where Saul's at. Not knowing what his future's going to be. And he says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. If you knew somebody might break in on you at any time and kill you, would it be easy to, sleep, to lay yourself down in peace and sleep? For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. See, there's your high ground, folks. This is the high ground, and every one of us have, have it. It's, it's, it's ours. We have the high ground, whether we're at the bottom of the mountain or at the top. It doesn't matter. We're in our valleys many times with many of the illnesses and problems and the things that we have, and so is David. He deals with them. You, you've read the Psalms, you know. Verse 1 and true, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. That word waiteth right there means silently trust. And folks, I'm going to hit it tonight heavier, but there's a difference in believing knowledge and trusting what you believe. You can know the Bible's true. You can know that God authored the Bible and every word is inspired of God. You know that. You can have that knowledge. You can believe that knowledge is true. But if you've never placed your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not yours. You're an outsider. You're like Colonel Ferguson who was so fortified on top of the mountain. But you're standing on shaky ground. We'll see what he says about that in just a minute. Truly my soul waiteth... Truly means most assuredly. Isn't that beautiful? Most assuredly my soul waiteth upon God. My soul uh, uh, rests and trusts in God. He, from Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock. Five times he, use, he, he uses a personal pronoun here. Mine I. Five times. He's speaking of God's grace, isn't he? He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. 
I shall not be greatly moved. He talks like, well, you know, I might be moved a little bit, but I won't be greatly moved. Well, you'll see in a minute that his, his faith, when he starts talking about his God, he, gets even, he, he will not be moved. Then look at the problem. You know, we only, have, we only have three problems in this world. You said, what? But we really only have three problems. The first is the world. The system that is set up here without God, set up with all evolutionary thought, the idea that we, have no, we don't know where we come from and we have no purpose. The world system that wants to take from its people instead of minister to its people. We have our own flesh. We're the biggest problem we got, aren't we? We really are. In our own flesh, in our own lustful desires, you know, we are our own, our own worst enemy. We have the, the enemy of the world, we have the enemy of the flesh, and we have the devil. He's a very powerful being. And we shouldn't underestimate him. But read the book of Job and see who won there. You say, well, Job went through a lot. He came out a better man for it, and God brought him through it. And the trials that we have in our life, they come from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Do they not? Let's look at these problems right here in verse 3 and 4 that David is talking about. He's talking about the same thing. How long will you imagine or, or try to break in upon me mischief against a man? Think about Ferguson and his plan to wipe out the settlers. You think about Absalom going to destroy David and take his kingdom. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you. This he knows to be true, even if he asks him to spare his own son. And this is how they look. This is how Colonel Ferguson really was spiritually the real why. They couldn't do it scientifically, but spiritually he's as a bowing wall and a tottering fence. You know what that means? Just one word, unstable. When we're not walking with the Lord, whenever the world is coming against us and the world is representing the devil, where are we at? We're on higher ground, aren't we? There's a lot we do not have to worry about, but we do. It's just like getting up here and preaching. I was back there trying to put this thing on, and I couldn't catch my thing. You know, I said, well, why? Why am I so scared of getting up in people that I, I know and love? Why do we have these things? Because we have the flesh, that's why. And the flesh has a right to be afraid. He says, you shall be as slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall you be, and as a tottering fence. You're unstable. You don't have no standing. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. Think about how that the, that the establishment in, in the day of, uh, of the War of Independence, whenever, the king, whenever Colonel Ferguson went to the, to the Indians to get an alliance against him. That's exactly what he's talking about here. That's what they had done to him. You know, Absalom had a lot of people around him. He wasn't a one-man army. He had a lot of advisors and a lot of people that had turned on David. Didn't he? Absolutely did. They consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. What do you suppose that Absalom told all of them as they as he was rallying them? You know, he he was going to. If I was your king, uh, you know, he would want to meet their needs. And he just and also Ferguson. What do you suppose he told the Indians? You know, hey, we're going to be your friends, and he'd have killed them too. Same way with, I mean, that's the way it is in this world. They consult to cast him down from, they delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. See, and, and that word selah is very important. We need to ponder these things. You know, people come up and they'll give you a big plan on something they want to do and they want to involve you or your money or something like that in it. And you better be discerning, hadn't you? Because there's so much of that. You need to think about it. You can find out whether they're real or not by asking God. You can go on to the higher ground. That place of prayer, that place, that place of refuge, as we'll see in our, our text here in a minute. For my expectation, I see, my soul waiteth only upon God. There's that word only again, and, and it means surely. You know, we're not staggering around with nothing to place our faith in, with nobody to depend on. We've never seen Jesus Christ, but how many of you know He's there? I mean, really, you know in your heart He's there, isn't He? 
A lot of you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you ought to, okay, that's looking better. There's about nine-tenths of you. I was wondering, you don't know whether Jesus is there or not? Come on now. I know I'm born, but I don't think I'm that born. Preacher will be back next week. Let my soul wait thou only upon God. There is no one else to trust, folks. There's no one else you can depend on. There's no one else you can look to to give you answers. I pray to prayer. I pray this regularly for my five grandchildren and for my kids. But I ask God. Brenda and I pray it together. We ask God that even though they're in, they're homeschooled, and I, I think that's the most wonderful thing. And, and that's where I find these stories, these history stories, is their history books. You get the real story. But I pray for them. I pray that they wouldn't just... There's so much pulling at young people. And how do you filter out the world, the flesh, and the devil in their life? You go to higher ground. You go to prayer. Isn't that it? Do we have any defense anywhere besides higher ground, the prayer place? But I ask God, I asked him, I say, Lord, would you please, even though they study it in their curriculum, and I think that's wonderful, but if that's the only place they do it, if they don't have a desire to open their Bible, to read their Bible because they just because they want to, then I don't think the other's going to help them much. It's knowledge. It's knowledge with no belief. Maybe even belief, but no trust. No application. It doesn't come out in their life. And I ask God over, and I have for a long time. Brenda and I prayed this together for our grandchildren because they, you know, there's so much against them. My 13-year-old I, and I was sitting Friday night a week ago or something when they'd just come up. And we sat and talking. She had some questions about the Lord, and we was talking and, and uh, just enjoying the fellowship together. And everybody else was going to bed, and we was having such a good time. And all of a sudden, she looks over and she says, Grandpa, I've got so I read my Bible a lot just because I want to. That's what she said. Who told her that? I'll tell you who told her. So if you want to change somebody's life, really get into effectual, fervent prayer for them. That place of waiting on the Lord. Sure, we want it. I want to bundle my kids up and keep them safe from the world, but I can't do it. But I'm going to just have to wait on the Lord. And there's, there's eight things, eight uh, reasons right here methods that he's given us in this passage starting just in this verse number 5. My soul wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him. Who are you looking to? What are you trusting in? Is it your job? Is it a good size checking account or savings account? Is it the fact that, that everything's going smooth and we can just we don't even have to think about our lives. We get up, we eat our breakfast, we have food in the refrigerator. It's all there. We always have it. We have enough money to go get it. What do we try? Where does our expectation come from? Do you ever stop? And if we don't, we should start making a habit of doing it. Stopping and asking God as He's instructed us for our daily bread. And we should stop and take the time to thank Him. Because ingratitude's a terrible sin. But to stop and thank Him for what we do have. Let's don't moan over what we don't have. Let's don't cry over what we can't change. But if there's something we can change, let's move. Just like getting out here and winning this community to Jesus Christ. They may not be saved and they may be critical against this church or other churches around. I don't know. But we got, we got, the, we got the method of prayer to open the doors so their eyes can see the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't we? So there's no use in going if we don't pray. So we need to pray so we get motivated to go, don't we? And we need we got a new year coming. What are we going to do? What is the need in our new year? My soul, wait thou only upon, upon God. My expectation is from Him. Listen to these verses right here. Lord, Psalm 27, 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. It didn't say you would, did it? It said, He the Lord, Jehovah, the Almighty God, He shall strengthen thine heart. Then He repeats Himself, Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I love Isaiah 40, 31. 
But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Waiting on the Lord. Putting our expectation, our trust, our dependence upon Him. That word expectation is, is the word hope, is one of the words to describe that. He is our sure thing, our confident expectation. He's the sure thing. He's the one that we don't have to wonder is going to do His job and carry out His will because all things do work together for good to them who love God. They do. They may not look that way, but they do. He's also, in verse 6, He only, there's that word, that surely again, He surely is my rock. He's my foundation. You know, I had a, had a person one time tell me, and, and they'd got in church, and they, I don't know, I can't see their heart. They said, I have faith. I have faith. And I said, well, what do you have your faith in? She said, faith. I said, you have faith in faith. But I said, what's faith resting on? What's the foundation? See, we've got to have a foundation. Jesus Christ is that foundation. He is that rock. The Bible tells us so, doesn't it? He is that boulder. He's that solid foundation. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Faith is that substance. It's that solid ground. It's that solid rock in His case. Jesus is my rock. He's my expectation. I can wait on Him. I can count on Him. I don't have to worry when I'm waiting on Him. We do. We don't have to. Isn't that good? Also, He is my defense. That's, the, that's where my study on higher ground came from. That word defense means higher ground. He's my higher ground. He's my defense. He's the one I, I can... I can roll the problems of my day off on. On that solid foundation, I can take the troubles and the trials and the problems, the crying, the fear, the anxiety, and I can roll it off on Jesus. He's my rock. He's my defense. He's my salvation. He's my liberty. He's my salvation. He's the liberty that I have. You know, we have a lot of liberty in Jesus Christ. We do. I've asked some people sometimes to, you know, questions. Say, well, what do you want to, what do you want to discuss? And I say, what's the liberty we have in Jesus Christ? Hmm, I don't know. Something we need to look into, isn't it? We have freedom. One liberty we have is we don't have to sin. We got the Holy Spirit of God in us, and we don't have to. We may choose to to disobey God's word, to disobey a, a, some command. He said. In, in another one of our uh, our devotionals in this days of praise, and yes, I'm pushing this because you will learn if you read this book every day. Little old five minute devotional. In in Genesis 17:1, on the 27th, he says, "I am," and that was one of his names. I am the Almighty God. I don't think I could say that loud enough or strong enough because. I don't have words to express the mighty, the power of our God. I am the Almighty God. He says, walk before me and be thou perfect. You know what that means? That walk before me means face. Walk face to face with me. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Don't let no other gods get between my face in your face. That's what God's saying there. Thou shalt have no other gods before me that let no other gods get between my face and your face. Wow, that's good stuff, isn't it? Can we do that? No, but He can through us. He will. That's His will. You say, does He want to? I can't get Him to answer my prayer. Maybe you're not praying in the will of God. Maybe you're just not asking for what will glorify Him. We've got to trust Him, folks. He's our expectation. He's our rock. He's our defense. He's our salvation. He's our liberty. He's our safety. We're safe when we're in Jesus. Those settlers, when they charged up that mountain by faith, they were safe. That's the reason that the, that the musket balls didn't hit them. 
They were on the higher ground. He's our safety. He's our safety no matter what we're doing. He's also our glory. Folks, I don't believe that we have any reason to be alive today outside of glorifying God our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you cannot do that unless you're walking in the Spirit. Because the Bible says walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's not God's will. And something else He is in verse 7. And God is my salvation, my glory, my rock, and my strength. You ever been in a battle and you knew that these, the powers you were fighting were not normal powers? That the, Even though you were having to deal with people? Do you, do you, have you ever thought about what it says in, in uh, uh, Ephesians 6, 12? When you've got a problem with anybody, I don't care where it's at, whether it's at work, at home, or church, if there's a problem with another person, you need to take in consideration... Uh, Ephesians 6.12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If I have a falling out with, with somebody, I'm not wrestling against them. This is what the Bible says. That makes a difference, don't it? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Look it up if you want to know what that means. And against powers... He, and he uses the word against in front of each one of the. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you'll deal with your trouble in your life with that verse in mind, then you're going to look up to the higher ground because you know you can't handle the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's my expectation. He's my deliverance. He's my rock. He's my salvation. He's all I need. And last of all, He's my refuge. He's my shelter. And He uses that word a couple of times in there. He's my shelter. Turn to, to uh, uh, Isaiah 40. And we're going to read some Scripture there and I'm going to close it. Just turn to Isaiah 40. We'll look at some selected verses, and then I'm just going to, going to call it a day. He's our refuge. Listen, if you don't know today, if you died, you would go to heaven. Christ wants to be your shelter, your rock, your deliverance, your salvation. Because Christ went to the limit, born as a baby in a physical body. The God who created the heavens and the earth. And that baby grew up to go to a cross because the wages of my sin and your sin was death. And He went to the cross because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And there He willingly laid His life down. No man took it from Him. He had the power to lay it down and He had the power to take it again and that's exactly what He did. He went to the cross because I was such a filthy, rotten, stinking sinner that I was going to burn in hell forever if He didn't do something. So He did. He came to the cross. He was buried after His death. And then He said, I'll give Him life. He rose from the dead. He had the power to lay it down and He had the power to take it again. No man took Jesus Christ's life from Him. He gave it. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's a good day to do that. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you see yourself sinning against a holy God, separated from a holy God, and hopeless, then look at Jesus and ask Him to take His payment for your sin. Ask Him to forgive you and save you. It's that simple. Forty years ago almost, Nathan Miller sat in my living room with me and he went through the Scriptures in the Romans Road, we call it. I don't remember whether he went anywhere else. And he asked me, he said, Danny, would you like to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? And they said, there's difference in just believing and trusting, okay? It's whenever you take action and put your belief into practice. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, not in your head, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Look in Isaiah. We'll close with this. Wait a minute, I'm not there. Sorry about that. Verse 28. These are things God wants you to know. Knowledge. So you can believe. So you can put it in practice. In trust. In His Word. Verse 28. Isaiah 40. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God. Look at His names. The Lord. The Creator of the ends of the earth. Fainteth not. Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways are not his ways. Isaiah 55 says. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. When those guys were charging up King's Mountain, where do you think they got the strength on an uphill battle? Where do you think you'll get the strength for your uphill battle? Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. 41.10, and I'll quit with this. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I God wants to help us. And sometimes we have to wait. But you know what? I've learned and I used to think that whenever you called on God, you might get answered today and it might be 40 years. And it might be. But if you'll just look at the tally in your own life, if you're a praying person at all, you'll see that you get a lot of them, most of them real quick. We do. And we're, a lot of times we don't pray because we think He's not going to answer in time. Or that He's not going to give me to it. Give it to me when I want it. I hope this has been a blessing to you because it, I've studied this for months and it's been, a, it's been a blessing to me and I hope it can be a help to somebody and meet somebody's needs today. If you'd stand to your feet and if, she, if the pianist would come and play, uh, I would just ask you to just to ponder who, you're, who your dependence is on. Who is your expectation? Who is your higher ground? Who is it you look to and enjoy? And to and Hey, He won't let you down. I can promise you that. He won't let you down. Let's have a quick word of prayer and then we'll begin. Father, I pray that You'd bless this time of invitation, that You'd help people and You'd meet their needs. God, You're the answer for all of our problems and we look to You today. I pray for that person or persons in here today that might not know they're on their way to heaven, that God, You would touch their hearts and if they would come, we would take the Bible and show them how that they might put their trust in Christ. Thank you for everybody that's here. And thank you for this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Brother? Well, and in way of announcements real quick, choir practice tonight will uh, still be having it. Instead of at 5.30, though, it'll be at 6. It'll be a little shorter this evening. But right now we'll go ahead and sing our closing song, To God Be the Glory. You're already standing? This is wonderful.
are dismissed.